0: everyone we are going to open God's word and our first reading is from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 32 up to verse 40 and you can find that on page 153 of our church bibles that's Deuteronomy 4 verse 32 to 40 on page 153 ask now about the former days long before your time from the day God created human beings on the earth Ask from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything so great as this ever happened? Or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm or by great and awesome deeds Like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes, you were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Besides him, there is no other. From heaven, he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth, he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words from out of the fire." Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you and to bring you into their land, to give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands which I am giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the land of the Lord your God gives you for all time.
1: Second reading is uh, John 14, verses 1 to 14 on page 927 of the Church Bibles. Starting at verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Good evening, church. Nice to see you. Our question tonight is this, uh, do all paths lead to God? Do all paths lead to God? And, And I think everyone would love to say, of course they do. Of course they do, because that, that, that sounds nice, and it sounds kind, it, it sounds good. And I would love to stand here tonight and say, of course they do. I would feel so good about that, and it would make me feel nice and kind. Uh, but the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he has a, a confronting verse of Scripture, perhaps the most confronting, controversial, exclusive verse Ever spoken. We just heard it in John 14, verse 6. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, he, he's saying, I'm not one of many ways. It's not you decide whichever way you would like to take and you'll get there in the end. He says, I am the way. Trust in me and my death and my resurrection. That's the only path to God. And I think it's that exclusivity that we struggle with. It's the, the second half of that verse that we struggle with most. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, Jesus is saying, when it comes to your salvation, only Jesus will get you there. When it comes to revelation, only he is the truth. All the other faith systems contain good things, but they're not fully true. And when it comes to life, eternal life, only Jesus will guarantee you life beyond death. And to our our postmodern, pluralistic, multicultural ears, that verse sounds obnoxious, rude, and arrogant. And so we like the idea that all these different paths lead up the same mountain to the same God eventually. As a woman said, I'd like to think that is true. But is it true? That's our question. Is it true? Do all these different paths lead to the same God? When I was 18 years old, I met a man called David who was a Buddhist. And he tried to convert me to Buddhism. For the first 18 years of my life, there was no God. I didn't believe in any God. And I met a Buddhist who said, you need to become a Buddhist to find all the answers to your problems of life. And so I investigated Buddhism. But I decided that I wouldn't just investigate Buddhism, but I would investigate all world religions. I walked into a bookshop in Oxford called Blackwells and said, give me seven books. And I walked out with this this pile of books on on Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, Islam, Christianity, Judaism, New Ageism, and Atheism. And I spent two years researching world religions. Had a massive wall chart on my bedroom wall. This is what they believed. This is what they practiced. And everything within me wanted to believe that they were all true. But the more I studied them, the more I thought, they can't all be true, because they contradict each other. They might all be wrong, but they can't all be right. And I was confronted by the person of Jesus Christ, who claimed to be God, who claimed to love me, and claimed to forgive me. There was something compelling about Jesus. But then I went travelling, and I went to Asia, and Africa, and I came to Australia. And I was confronted by all these beautiful, lovely, kind, devout, sincere people, and they were worshipping in temples, and they were Buddhists, and they were Hindus, and they were all other kinds of religions. And it was deeply unsettling. I thought, that exclusivity of Jesus, it it is quite confronting. Do I really believe that? But as I read the scriptures, I thought, That is what Jesus is saying. He is the only way. So either Jesus is a liar, or he's telling the truth. That's what we're grappling with tonight. Let me start by two reasons we'd all like all paths to lead to God. Two reasons why we'd love all these different paths up the same mountain. The first is tolerance, the second is compassion. Tolerance, because it sounds intolerant to say there's only one path, to say that only one religion is right. It sounds intolerant. Oprah Winfrey said this, one of the biggest mistakes that human beings make is to believe there's only one way to God. There are many, many diverse paths. And that's what most of our society thinks. We like to think that there's a global supermarket of religions, and you just pick the brand that, that suits you best. As long as your brand makes you happy, as long as your religion makes you a better person, as long as your religion makes you feel good, who am I to question whether you are right or wrong? Who am I to say that I'm right and you're wrong? That is intolerant. So let's just tolerate everything. Let's just minimize all the differences. They can't be that important. Let's just focus on the things that we can agree on and just pretend that we're all going up the same mountain. It might be Muhammad, it might be Buddha, it might be Jesus. It'll all get you at any end. I have to say that kind of argument is actually insulting to every religion because Buddhists don't really claim to believe in any God and there's no heaven to get to. And atheists, they don't want to go to God. If it turns out there is a God... They don't want to be with him. So tolerance never really works. Truth must always trump tolerance. The most compelling thing for me is compassion, because if only one religion is right, then that means that all the others must be wrong. And that means that all these people, these lovely, beautiful, kind, devoted people, but they are deluded. And they won't end up in paradise or nirvana or heaven or whatever place they think they're heading to. And when you think about that, your, your heart, your heart is aching. And we think the most compassionate and loving thing to say, well, well everyone is basically right. Everyone is basically right. I want to say, to, to to say that something is wrong... Is not lacking compassion. You ever heard a man called Jim Jones? Jim Jones claimed to be a Christian, but actually he was a cult leader. In November 1978, he gathered a thousand of his followers, and they all suicided or murdered each other, and they all drank the Kool-Aid because they thought that was the way to get to heaven. It is not lacking compassion to say that that man did something terribly wrong. Or take 9-11, the, the, those terrorists who, who flew the planes into the building. They, they really believed with all their heart and all their mind they were doing the will of Allah. It's not lacking compassion to say what they did was horribly wrong. If you've got three men in a plane and they're about to jump out of an aeroplane... If one of them turns up in a space suit and says, I really believe that this space suit will rescue me because we're high enough there'll be no gravity. When I jump out, I will float up. If they really believe that, it's not lacking compassion to say, no, you're terribly wrong. If another man turns up with a Superman suit and says, I'm going to jump out of the plane, I'm going to fly like a bird. It's not lacking compassion to say, you're wrong here. All I'm trying to say is that if somebody is believing the wrong thing, it is not lacking compassion to point that out. Two reasons why all paths can, cannot lead to God. And the first is contradictions. When people say to me, Paul, all religions teach basically the same thing, my, my response is, really? How did you come to that conclusion? Have you studied them? Which religions have you studied in depth because I think we like to think that all the, the differences are superficial but fundamentally all the same it's the exact opposite fundamentally they're all very different and just superficially are they all the same and logic insists that something can't be both true and not true at the same time let me give you a brief overview. Christianity. Christianity believes that there is one God. And he is eternal. No beginning, no end. Always existed, not created. And the Christian God is transcendent. So he's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's, he's omniscient. He's completely other and holy. But the Christian God is also imminent. He's, he's close. He is near. It says God is is love. He loves us. And the God of the Bible, the Christian God, he is the creator. He made human beings in his image, so we're not just glorified animals. We have dignity, we have value, we have worth as human beings. That's beautiful. And, and the Christian God, he loves us enough to, to step into his world. No other than does that. Steps into the world in the person of Jesus. And for God so loved the world, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave, he he sacrificed his own son, that we wouldn't perish, that we might be forgiven and have eternal life. That's the free gift. It cannot be earned. It's a free gift of salvation. That's the Christian God. Buddhism is very, very different. Buddhism doesn't technically, technically believe in any God. And the world that we live in is not, created it's just illusory and human beings have no more value than animals so in buddhism if you've got a a starving child next to a fat cow you couldn't possibly kill the cow to feed the child because they're of equal value and and in buddhism because they believe in karma then that, that starving suffering child must have done something terribly terribly bad in their previous life to be starving and suffering now And in Buddhism, pain and suffering is just an illusion. And the goal of Buddhism is nirvana, to cease to exist. And so when you die, you're reborn and you're reincarnated. And that is very different to Christianity. Hinduism is similar to Buddhism, but again, it's different. Hinduism has no single founder, no common set of beliefs. It's a pantheistic religion. There's 33,000 different gods And as human beings, you you are one of four different social classes, depending on what your previous life has been like. And the goal of human life is to be liberated from that constant cycle of rebirth. Now, Islam is similar to Christianity, but but different. Yes, Muslims believe there's only one God. Allah, who created the world. but, But Allah is utterly, utterly transcendent. He is utterly sovereign, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, but there's no sense of love, and you can't possibly have a relationship with him. Muslims follow the, the five pillars of faith. You know, there's only one God, Allah. And prayer, where you must pray to five times a day facing Mecca to, to earn your salvation. And, and there's almsgiving, so you must give a certain proportion of your income to earn your salvation. And there's fasting, you, you must fast during Ramadan to earn your salvation. And then there's pilgrimage to, to Mecca, what's in your lifetime to earn your salvation. And so the goal of life as a, as a Muslim is to submit to Allah and you're, you're saved by faith plus your good works. And you might just get there in the end and your good works might outweigh your bad works, but you can't be certain of that. And in the afterlife, you don't go to meet Allah because Allah is so transcendent. Your afterlife is about enjoying all the earthly pleasures that you long to enjoy now. So even a brief summary shows that they are so different. They have different views of God, different paths to God, different views of the afterlife. They can't all be true. There's blatant contradictions. Take take the death of Jesus. Jesus. Now, Islam says that Jesus was a historical man, but he never died on a cross. He didn't die. God took him to heaven. Uh, Some other dude went to the cross instead of Jesus. Now, as Christians, we would say that the the death of Jesus on the cross is so foundational and fundamental to our faith. Without the death of Jesus, there is no forgiveness, there's no salvation. So, So did Jesus die on the cross or didn't he? They can't both be true. Now, some people might say to me, well, Paul, I understand that beliefs are different, but they have the same moral code, the same golden rule. I want to say, really? Have you studied that? Because Christianity, what is the golden rule of Christianity? Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor. And then she said, well, who is your neighbor? And Jesus went on to tell that story of the Good Samaritan. Who is your neighbor you're called to love? Anybody and everybody that comes across your path. What about that person who's hurt you? What about your enemy? What did Jesus say? Love your enemy and pray for your enemy. That is Christianity. But Islam says, hate your enemy and seek revenge. Is that the same golden rule? I don't think so. Uh, okay, Paul, I know the contradictions, but maybe they're all just partially true. Maybe there's some element of truth in each of them. Maybe we're seeing God from a different angle. It's like the, the parable of the, the blind men and the elephant. Have you heard that parable? You've got four blind men touching an elephant. And the first blind man touches the trunk and says, Oh, it's a palm tree. And the second blind man touches the tail and says, oh, it's a rope. And the third blind man touches the ear and says, oh, it's a fan. And the fourth blind man touches the side and says, oh, it's a a wall. Now, is it a rope? Is it a palm tree? Is it a wall? Is it a fan? No, it's an elephant. But each blind man is trying to explain from their reality what they think is there. But please don't tell me they're all partially right. They're all wrong. It's an elephant. And that, my friends, is a a fundamental problem with all world religions because they're all about people seeking after God, people trying to reach God, people trying to decide what God might be like. And the fundamental difference with Christianity is it's saying it's not about us trying to reach God, it's God reaching down to us. Not about us trying to decide what God is like, but it's God revealing himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Let's look at the claims of Jesus. John chapter 1. The word became flesh. God became flesh. That's extraordinary. No other religion teaches that. God took on human flesh. God became a human being and made his dwelling among us. He he came to live on earth. And we have seen the glory of God. As Jesus walked on water, we saw the glory. As Jesus turned water into wine, we saw his glory. As Jesus fed 5,000 people, we saw the glory of God. In the person of Jesus Christ, we can see God. And then Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He's saying, Jesus is the way. When it comes to your salvation, it's not one of many ways to get to God. It's not follow this code of conduct or keep with religious rules. It's saying, just believe in Jesus. And they say if you're a Muslim, then your salvation is dependent on whether your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds and whether you kept the five pillars. And there's no assurance. If you're a Buddhist, then every rebirth is just about karma, trying to cease to exist. But the beautiful thing about Christianity, the beautiful thing about Jesus, is that he's offering you forgiveness. He's offering you this confidence and this certainty that you can stand before God as a forgiven sinner, washed clean and fully forgiven. Because Christianity actually recognises there's a problem with our human heart because we're not good and we're not perfect And we fail and we mess up and we need forgiveness. And God does not tell us to try harder or to go and clean up your own life. He just says, let me wash you, let me clean you, let me cleanse you, let me forgive you. There's a wonderful scene in the TV show ER. That George Clooney show. And a doctor is dying of cancer. And he's just racked with guilt because he gave a lethal injection to an innocent prisoner once. And he calls a, a, so co- a so-called Christian chaplain. And he longs to know how he can be forgiven. It goes like this. The dying man. I don't want to go on. Can't you see I'm old? I have cancer. I've had enough. The only thing holding me back is I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what comes next. Chaplain, well, what do you think that is? You tell me, is atonement even possible? What what does God want from me, says the man? Chaplain, I think it's up to each person to interpret what God wants. What are you saying? Because all I'm hearing is some new age, God is love, one size fits all crap. I don't have time for this now. I understand. No, you don't understand. You don't understand. How could you possibly say that? No, listen to me. I want a real chaplain who believes in a real God and a real hell. I hear you're frustrated. No, I need answers. And all your questions and your uncertainty are only making things worse. I know you're upset. No. I need someone who will look me in the eye and tell me, tell me, please, how can I find forgiveness? Because I'm running out of time. Isn't that what we need? Someone who will just tell us how we can be forgiven. And we don't need five pillars of Islam or the ten commandments because they just make us feel even more guilty because we can't do it. We can't keep it. What we need is the assurance that that God will and has completely forgiven us in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why God bothered to come in flesh. To die on that cross and call out this word: it is finished. So that every human being could have that certainty and confidence that when they stand before God, they can be fully forgiven if they believe in Jesus. Now let me ask you, is is that arrogant? Is that arrogant? Imagine that you were looking for directions for somewhere and someone said, look, it's it's quite complicated. You you drive five hours on the freeway, then you take the second exit and you go about another 20 kilometers and you come to this little dirt road. There's only only one road into that place. Look out for that dirt road with that little sign. There's only one road in there. Would you say to that person... I think you're being rude and arrogant. How dare you say there's only one road in there? If there's only one road in there, he's not being arrogant. Or well, try this one. If you go to the doctors and the doctor says, I'm really sorry, but you're dying of cancer. Come back next week and I'll give you the treatment plan. And then during the week you have coffee with a mate and your mate says to you, I'm so sorry you've got cancer. Why don't you try broccoli? Now, broccoli is a superfood, so just eat broccoli, and that will deal with your cancer. And another friend says to you, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry you've got cancer. Uh, why don't you just quit your job, sleep more, have less stress, because stress causes cancer, so get rid of stress, and you'll be cancer-free. Another friend says to you, oh, just meditate. Meditate, and you can, you can meditate the cancer away. And so you rock up to the doctors the following weekend, and the doctor says to you, look, you've got cancer, and there's only one way to be healed, and that is chemotherapy. You're going to say to your doctor, how dare you say that? That's so arrogant. Because my friend says try broccoli, or sleep more, or meditate more. And what if the doctor said to you, oh, I'm terribly sorry, I didn't mean to offend you, your, your friends, they're such lovely people. Maybe you should try broccoli and maybe you tr- should try sleep. Forget the chemotherapy. Give the other ones a go. Would that be a good doctor? Of course not. He loves you enough to want to heal you. He's not being arrogant. He's just trying to tell you this is the way to be saved. Well, let me say that most Christians, lots of Christians are arrogant and obnoxious in the way we talk about it. But we shouldn't be, should we? Because the only thing that we've contributed to our salvation is our sin. It's all God's grace. So Jesus is saying, I am the way. Just come to me. I am the truth. Jesus is not a prophet who speaks truth. He's not a truthful person. He's saying, I am the truth. I am the the self-revelation of God. I am God. Again, no other religion claims that. Muhammad claimed to hear the voice of an archangel in a cave and Buddha claimed to hear the voice of God in a moment of enlightenment under a tree. But was that really the voice of God? How do you know? And Christianity doesn't ask you to believe in an inner voice of God. It says, no, God has come down in a person and revealed himself to you. He claimed to be God. Verse 1, believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 7, if you really know me, you'll know my Father. If you know Jesus, you will know God. Have you really seen God? Where do you see God? I hope you know you see God not in a majestic mountaintop or not in a splendid sunrise or beautiful, but you see God in the person of Jesus Christ. When people say to me, Paul, Jesus never claimed to be God, I want to say, really, what Bible are you reading? John 1? No one's ever seen God, but the only Son, who is himself God, has made him known. And I love this about Christianity. It's the only religion that claims that God is revealing himself in a person. It's not us deciding what God is like. We are just the blind people, grasping at truth. But God has revealed truth in a person called Jesus. And Jesus is alive. life, he's the destination, he's the one who will give you life beyond this grave. In my Father's house are many rooms. I love that, the place that we're heading to is not some distant, unfamiliar place. It's, we're going home, we're going home to be with a Father who loves us and a Saviour who welcomes us and, and with people who care for us. Because the Christian God is not about reincarnation or resuscitation or annihilation, he's about resurrection. And we know it's true because Jesus was raised. The tomb was empty, he's risen. When I was lecturing mathematics, I had two types of students. When when students couldn't understand a word I was saying, there's, there's one group of students that would just nod as if they understood, but they had no idea what I was talking about. Another group of students would say, Sir... You're making no sense. You're talking nonsense. I don't get it. And can I say tonight, if you're here and you don't understand what I'm saying, if you're still confused about all these different world religions and where where Jesus fits into it, please don't just sit here and nod your head saying, it's okay, it's okay. Don't. Come and say, I don't get it. Come and do Alpha. Come and do Alpha and discover for yourself the claims of Jesus Christ. But don't just ignore it. If Jesus is the only way, if, as the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, salvation is found in no one else but Jesus Christ, if that is true, you cannot ignore it. And I want to say there's something actually beautiful about exclusivity. Because if Jesus is the only way, it means that that way is open to anybody and everybody. It doesn't matter whether you've kept the rules. It doesn't matter whether you've said your prayers. It doesn't matter whether you lived a good life or a terrible life. It doesn't matter if you've been religious or unreligious. It doesn't matter whether you're educated or unreligious. It doesn't matter. Because it's not about what you do. It's what Christ has done for you. So the exclusivity of Jesus is actually so inclusive. Because everybody is welcome. Everybody, anybody can come to Jesus and find salvation and rest for their weary souls. Do all paths lead to God? I have to say no. No, they don't. It's not like Google Maps where you put in your, your starting and your destination and you get three options, the, the fastest route and the cheapest route and the scenic route. I'd like that to be true. I'd like a bit of Hinduism, a bit of Buddhism, a bit of Jesus, but it's not true. And, and to be honest... I think to say it is true is offensive to God. Because if there was any other way to reach God, why on earth would God sacrifice his own son? If there's any other way, then that Christian God is not merciful but a monster. But the way of Jesus is a way of grace and a way of love and a way of compassion and kindness and truth. And that's why I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let me pray. Father, we want to say thank you. Thank you for revealing yourself to us and showing us the way in the person of Jesus. I want to say sorry, Lord, for the times that we have been obnoxious and we have been arrogant in the way that we presented ourselves. I want to say please, please open the eyes of so many people who don't yet believe. We ask that for Jesus' sake.